0: From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played.
1: Songs that made the hit parade.
0: Guys like us, we had it
1: made.
0: Those, Those were, were
1: the days. days. Welcome,
0: guys. Again, we have Alex Hajar with us, our regular ho- co-host now.
1: Hi. I So... I'm a little anxious about this episode because like I there's wait. so much to unpack. There's so much. <laughs> and it's not going to be, I, I don't know. I feel like it's not going to be lucid. It's not going to be coherent or organized. I feel like we're just going to bring up ideas and we're kind of going to vomit these ideas. out A lot. The and episode. that's because,
0: because I feel like this episode is the first time, like we're really, really in a very big way, really dealing with like exactly what this episode is dealing with in a crazy way right now because of time's up hashtag times up and hashtag me too it's like women's lib. And is hashtag rose McGowan. and hashtag literally rose mcgowan is like we're really living this right now which is crazy yeah. of like we are living women's lib like oprah just gave a fucking speech about this which is insane you yeah, know exactly so okay so this episode is episode 11 of season one and this episode uh it's called Gloria discovers women women's lib and uh the wikipedia Uh, summary is, as a supporter of Women's Live, Gloria accuses Mike of chauvinism and storms out of the house. She comes back and they make up. And this episode was written by Norman Lear and Sandy Stern. So it was written by a woman. Interesting. And a man.
1: That's also such a flaccid description of the episode. It is such a flaccid description. It's so fucking. That's flaccid.
0: a lot of the uh, Wikipedia ones. I have to go back to the booklet that also we have.
1: Totally appropriate that I used a very phallocentric <laughs> word to describe. You're an such episode a about man. You're yeah. such
0: a man. I will say a lot of the episodes in season one. Um. Uh. Not a lot, but uh, even the season two ones are written by Susan Harris, who created Golden Girls. Um. And she wrote on this show, and then she wrote for Maude after that too, which is mm-hmm. kind of. Just like I love, because, like, Susan Harris is a fucking boss-ass bitch. Um, but, okay, so this episode starts with uh, Edith and Gloria just talking in the kitchen and making a nice meal of, like, a like a French souffle they find, like, a recipe, which is, like, very different than what Archie is used to for a Sunday morning. And then they... Uh, they're making this meal, they're chatting, they're gabbing and Arch and, and Gloria and Edith have this moment of pure like, wow, it's great to like, just like chat with you as like a friend and like as an equal instead of like as a mother and daughter, which is kind of an interesting thing. And like, then they immediately, like Edith tells the story of how like she kissed this boy for like 11 and a half minutes and like how it was so sexy. And then Archie comes in and he's like, what are you guys talking about? Where are my eggs? Ah! And, and Edith is immediately like, we were just talking about
1: how we first met, which immediately is like Edith Gaining power over Archie, right? Because she's withholding information from exactly, him, and she's expressing that she's capable of lying, and she's capable of knowing what's going to upset her husband exactly. Um, and the significance of that opening scene is definitely wasn't lost on us. I mean, right. This is this is an episode in which Gloria has been reading texts about women's liberation, three
0: books that she devoured apparently e-
1: exactly, and she loses it. She finally speaks up about these issues and gets into a huge fight with her husband and screams at her own mother and, and swears in the house about it and it's ironic in the first scene that she is in the kitchen preparing a meal for her husband and her father and then when she makes this souffle for her dad the dad looks at it and he goes i don't want that that's not what i eat on sundays yes and that's it it's all over and done with right and she she starts saying she goes oh you men constantly stifling our artistic creativity it's interesting how she sees a stereotypical female role such as cooking in the kitchen cooking for the men of the family as artistic expression
0: right because she's not cooking eggs and whatever he wanted he was exactly. she's cooking like a souffle that charles de Gaulle would eat you know what i mean like it's exactly. like a, such an interesting thing and it i mean my what i found interesting about that opening scene was the does it pass the bechdel test and the bechdel test is like um if two women are in a scene together and they're not talking about a man and it's like they they're kind of not talking about a man, but they end up talking about a man.
1: Except they totally are. I mean, it's the, they are. the male gaze is present in this entire episode. Because it is. Even when they're not talking about a man, a man has influenced the conversations that they're exactly. having in some way. I
0: have issues with the Bechdel test in general. Like when people are like, well, it passes the Bechdel test. I'm like, I don't care. Like I really, cause like if, if like, So the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock, which you hate, I know that you hate, yes, technically does not pass the Bechdel test because two women are not in that movie and they're not talking about something other than a man. But I'm like,
1: yeah, unless you count Sandra Bullock's dead daughter. Yeah, right, exactly. Like the daughter who died playing tag. (laughs)
0: Like
1: I can't. It's like the worst.
0: But technically, like that that movie is kind of like uber feminist because it's like Sandra Bullock is like a badass bitch. Like George Clooney dies, goes off, does his own thing because he's dead. And then, like, Sandra Bullock like, blasts through the atmosphere and, like, survives this crazy experience. And, like, technically that's uber-feminist. And yet it and is, yet it does not pass the Bechdel test. I is. have issues with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. But, I don't know, George Clooney also dies because he willingly sacrifices himself for the woman. So he doesn't die right. because Sandra Bullock is a better... Um, astronaut than you like, right it, no. he doesn't die because um sandra bullock was smarter or had like better intuition no he dies because he like makes the choice to die so i, I don't know i, I don't know, know. If, i don't know if i'm on board with that i just know, have issues movie. i just like yeah. that
0: is like one example but i also have issues with the the test in general because i'm like sometimes i'm like yeah this movie is really feminist but like yeah they weren't talking about other something other than it, like the shape of water is like uber feminist and like sometimes i'm like They kind of were just talking
1: about that fish man the
0: whole time, but he's a fish. Is he a man? Is he a fish? I don't know. Like, it's kind of complicated.
1: Well, I think what's important about the Bechdel test is that it raises the issue of male subjectivity versus female objectivity. That in some way, shape, or form, whenever we talk about women or even when women are having a conversation the male gaze or the male perspective or male influence is always a part of it. And it's right. almost inextricable. Okay, but as experience. a
0: gay man, don't you always just talk about men? Like, I feel like I'm always talking about men, which just fucking sucks.
1: In a way, it, you know, even... And I, and I find myself succumbing to these really problematic moments where someone will bring up a female, like someone will bring up a woman and I'll be like, ugh, woman, gross. And I say ah. and I say it as a joke, you know, the idea right. that like, oh, I'm gay, therefore I am not attracted to women, therefore a vagina is disgusting. But right. that in and of itself is problematic. It to is call, problematic. To call the vagina disgusting. Well, my friend Lauren... To discuss my, my, my homosexuality... As a rejection of the female Femininity, body. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, my uh, my friend Lauren one time was telling me about her period, and I was like, "That's gross." And she was like, "No, no, 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 no! You don't get to do that. If I'm a fag hag and I have to fucking d- deal with all your fucking gay ass shit, you're gonna have to hear about my period, and that's how the fuck this is gonna work." And I was like, "That's fair, honestly." Yeah, I mean,
1: did she call herself a fag hag? Because that's another term I hate.
0: No, I mean, she called herself like she didn't call herself a fag hag, but like she was like, "If I'm gonna have to, if I'm gonna." she said an ally actually she said ally she was like "If i'm gonna be your ally and we're gonna fucking do this together like you're gonna have to hear about this shit and i'm gonna have to hear about your shit and that's the way this is gonna work and i was like okay fag hag like calm down <laughs> which i do have problems with the word fag hag but like yeah aside from that i mean i just find like i was on a film set last week and like what like two or three of the straight white guys said something to me that was like very like complimentary like they were just like one one of them was like you're a really good driver like I didn't expect you to be a good driver like not because I was gay but just because like I'm a New Yorker like they just didn't expect (laughs) me to be a good driver the other one was just like obsessed with like a lot of like gay things and then the other one was just like oh you're just so funny and just like having the like a like the appreciation or just like the acceptance of a straight white male is like good. Like I feel good about it. And I was like, I don't, I shouldn't feel good about this. And yet I do. And I'm, I feel shitty about it. Right, It's like so many emotions. It's like, I feel great about this. Like straight white men love me. And then I'm like, no, I shouldn't feel good about this. And then I'm like, oh, but it's problematic. It's awful.
1: Right. So, and which brings us to the episode. Right. Because you know, we, you and I were kind of debating beforehand when we were outlining the structure of this episode, which I think we agree that this episode, our podcast, like this episode of our podcast is just going to go to shit. It's, it's going to go crazy. There, there is no coherence to it. There's no organization. Right. But you know, we were talking about it, and I don't think that it passes the Bechdel test because there, there's an ellipsis. There's a reference to an ongoing conversation. Gloria and Edith acknowledge the fact that they just had a conversation like friends for the first time. Right, but we don't and see that conversation. Exactly. We that don't. conversation does not occur on screen, no. it's implied. So the conversation that ensues after Gloria has called attention to their friendly conversation is about a man. That's it when is. Edith decides to gossip about this boy she kissed when she was younger for 11 and a half minutes.
0: Right. And I think for Edith though, that is like, you cannot dismiss that as not an act of feminism because for Edith, it is like, it is like that is what you were saying, like the first wave of feminism. So yeah. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. I mean,
1: you know, the first wave of feminism was concerned almost primarily with, earning acceptance and earning legal rights. It was, it was about a woman's place in the legal sphere. Whereas, which is where I'm
0: at with straight white men. Clearly, (laughs) I just want their acceptance so much.
1: Whereas the second wave of feminism, you know, starting in the 40s with Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex, not that it started with her. um, And I'm also not providing any concrete dates. So don't me on that. But the second wave of feminism was expressly concerned with a woman's acceptance in the social sphere. Right. And part of the woman's acceptance in the social sphere concerned embracing a woman's choice. So, and a huge part of a woman's choice is tied to her sexuality and her libido and her sexual expression. Yes. So the fact that Edith is talking about a kiss she had, which by your and my standards, like a kiss is nothing. Right,
0: 11 and a half minutes, like, uh, by 11 and a half minutes, he's already inside me. Like, I cannot hear yeah, you know, exactly. mean? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Um, so, but, but still we see a moment where Edith is embracing her sexuality. Like she's talking about something that turns her on. She's like, I hooked up with him. Well, she doesn't say hooked up, but she says, I made out with him for 11 and a half minutes. And you see, you could see her eyes are all glazed. Yeah. And and she's She's loving it. Yeah. She has butterflies when she's talking about it. So. You know, there's another moment in the opening scene that she embraces her sexuality and she embraces her sexual expression. Well, and
0: I think in terms of women's choices, what we were talking about earlier is like there are people that I know that get very judgmental of women in hijabs. Like I know like white people that are just like, oh, well, yeah, clearly she's oppressed. And I'm like, I know a lot of women that have chosen to wear the hijab like just like their choice they're like this is my religion this is what i choose to do and this is what i want to do and it's like you cannot dismiss that that is their choice no matter where it comes from it is like still feminism it's still their choice and like you still have to respect that
1: yeah and And to put that down yeah yeah and i think that makes a larger commentary about social justice activists who try i think too hard to make certain people their projects right like, like and you i know, think like, arabic I, you know, people like,
0: are very much their projects yes yeah uh, and it's like very problematic general. yeah
1: um, i mean yeah gayatri spivak is a literary critic who wrote a whole essay about this in the 1980s called Can the Subaltern Speak? And it talks all about how, you know, um, white men think that they're like saving brown women from brown men when all they're really doing is silencing those brown women and assuming that those brown women cannot speak for themselves. They right. have no agency and can't like make these decisions for themselves. So instead, ultimately, what you have is brown men versus white men over a female, like, a woman's issue. Which is and just exactly get, what's always happening. Yeah, And you take their voice away from them. Yeah. Which I think is very similar to the moment when Gloria, you know, she goes on her women's lib rant, and Archie is rolling his eyes at her, and he, he couldn't really care less. And she yells at her mother. Yeah. And she's like she's like, Mom, you are in a horrible marriage and you are oppressed and you're just you're just his little wind-up doll and you do everything that he tells you to do and and Edith is like, I'm fine. Like, yeah, Ed- I'm
0: chill. Like, Edith we're good. Like, I'm
1: happy. Right. So, I mean, granted, and we, you know, we know that Edith isn't happy. And we know that her, the relationship between her and Archie isn't really the greatest relationship. Right. And I know that because I've seen the later episodes where Edith finally catches on. Um, there's a really great one in season six. But where Edith finally catches on and she gets some exposure to um, Gloria Steinem. And suddenly she fights. Uh-huh. She fights back against Archie. But but
0: at, but at this moment she is happy, and like you have to respect at least a bit of like her comfort and fami- and like her happiness in her own marriage and her choice. Yeah, and her which, choice, which
1: Gloria does not accept. Which
0: she doesn't. Which is again, it's like very like stop judging women for having a choice and respecting. Just respect their choice. Is exactly what I'm saying. It's kind of that Roseanne episode you were telling me about. Of the abortion episode of Roseanne. Oh, yes. That's a really Which is good a great one. example and, of And like it was in exactly the later this. seasons yeah. when
1: Roseanne had completely plummeted because this, by that point, the show was pretty terrible. But there's a really great episode of Roseanne. I think it might be in season seven or eight when Roseanne and Dan are pregnant um, with a child. And this is obviously a child they're having much later in their lives. Um, Two of their daughters are grown and independent and they have one son who's a teenager and they've decided that, you know, now after having raised three children, they they, they say they want to get it right. They're like, great, like now let's have one and let's actually like use all the mistakes that we made with our other three kids and like raise a really bomb ass kid. And. Roseanne gets a really cryptic and really ambiguous message from her doctor saying that she needs to have a second amnio done because there might be something wrong with the baby. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't know what it is and they won't know what it is until the doctor gets back from vacation. Right. So Dan, the husband, immediately says to her, he's like, all right, well, if there is something wrong with the baby, um, you know, you'll just get an abortion and we'll continue trying. And Roseanne, who had always been pro choice, always been pro abortion, I mean, she still is pro choice, but yes. she had always been pro abortion. And now she doesn't think she can go through with an abortion. And she tells Dan this. She goes, This is a much more difficult decision than I ever thought it would be. I don't know if I can actually go through with getting an abortion. And Dan is like, no, like you need to get an abortion. Like, why would you keep this baby? Like, do you know what that's going to do to the yes. family? And yada, yada, yada. So it's interesting. I can only imagine how the pro-lifers reacted to that. Right, because they
0: must have been so confused. They must have been like, well, she is being pro-choice, but she's choosing to keep the baby. But she is not having an abortion. But she is actually taking a choice. In, in not having abortion. So what is the, what am I supposed to make of right. this? It must've I mean, been wild. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it's such a brilliant and nuanced episode for that reason. And I think the thesis statement of that episode is that pro pro-choice. Pro-choice yes. yeah, exactly. choice <laughs> pro-choice is, not pro-abortion. Pro-choice is not pro abortion. It's pro choice. Pro choice is not pro abortion. Pro choice is not pro killing children, like killing innocent children. No, absolutely Pro-choice not. Pro-choice is embracing a woman's right to choose, right. which Gloria doesn't in this which episode. Which she
0: does not. Which she does not. And she so yells at her mom a couple yes. of times. She yells at her mom in that first scene before she storms out. And then she yells at her mom again. And she yells at her mom in the bedroom upstairs. And her mom is like, why are you back here? Why did you come back? She's Because Gloria storms out of the house, comes back in for more of her stuff. And, and her mom is like, why are you even back? And Gloria's like, well, cause I miss him. And she's like, well, you feel, I just feel like you feel so like, you know, put down in your marriage and like not equal. And Edith is kind of like, there's a lot more to my marriage that you don't see, that like you don't understand.
1: Except we have seen it in that first scene. Yeah. Because one, she withholds information yes, from exactly. her And she, she makes the deliberate decision to lie to him. And, and I think Edith after like, you know, a certain,
0: because Edith must have like what she has like 30, almost 30 years of marriage under her belt at this point, maybe like something in their 20s of years of marriage under her belt. She understands like something, something is working, like something is keeping them together.
1: Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I, uh, yeah, okay. So what I I mean, what I find interesting is that Gloria is both the hero and villain of this episode. And speaking of villainy, what I find even more interesting is that this is the first time that Archie is not Not the the villain villain of the episode, Mike is, which I think is really important. If there's anything this episode does extremely well and that still is relevant to today is that... I mean, look, Archie is the villain insofar as he is explicitly anti-woman. Like, we know that he right. is the stereotypical conservative who believes that a woman's place is in the home and a man's place is out there in the work yes. world. And we know this. We know this already. Like, right. we know who the enemy is. But, but he also, is- like, he also
0: just just like doesn't care to a certain extent, where he's just like, I just want my fucking eggs. Like, I just want my fucking eggs. Like, I want to get my eggs, go to bed. Like, I just want to enjoy my Sunday. Like, I don't need all this shit right now which is interesting, but then Mike comes off. Mike, who's yeah. like
1: who's like the well-intentioned, bleeding-heart white liberal who is constantly fighting with Archie on behalf of African-American men. Right, um, and,
0: and Gloria even mentions that. She's like, well, what about, she? he was like, well, I can't fight for your rights, and, and she was like, well, what about African-American rights? What about these rights? What about these other rights? Right, you, you fight all, for their rights, you and you're not gonna, gonna fight for, for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. in other words, she's like you're always defending other men, whether it's um, black men, whether it's Hispanic men, whether it's gay men. Right, um, but you're never but defending I- women. Exactly, yeah. Which I think is a really good point because Mike is is less obviously the villain. I mean, I think there's two. I think that we fall prey to the assumption that like, oh, if you're a liberal, you're the good guy. Right. And we see time and time again that that's not the case. It's never the case. And I feel like I do know a lot of like straight white liberal guys, like super woke,
0: even gay white liberal guys that are just like super woke. And then you get to know them a little bit and you're like, wow, you're a fucking sexist, aren't you? Like you hate women. Like you really hate women or like you don't have enough women in your life or you don't respect women in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: find that a lot. And like, I want to cite specific examples, but I also don't want to alienate people Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. I know and love. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I think that's, that's an important takeaway from the episode yeah. is that the bleeding heart liberal is not always the good guy. And no. as woke, yeah. And, and I mean, we're making fun of the word woke here. Um, I, I certainly am cause I hate it, but you know, you think you're so woke. You think that, you know, so much, you think you're so progressive. I think, you know, we all have work to do. I think that if we are not members of every marginalized community, like you know like yes right. i'm gay so i know what it's like to be marginalized but i am not a gay person of color i am not transgender exactly. i am not a woman so if i'm if i don't if i don't experience those forms of oppression firsthand i can always stand to learn more yeah well there was also a video recently because there's also the controversy granted this isn't a, this isn't a main controversy but there's the controversy about women going to gay bars without gay men No, but that is
0: a controversy. That really is a controversy of like the bachelorette parties of it all.
1: Right, right. And and I and I've seen that happen before. I like I've seen bachelorette parties walk into gay bars with like their penis straws. And I mean, look, I'm I'm a huge advocate of the idea that my safe space is your safe space. I think that uh, you know if two girls, three girls, straight women like want to go to a bar, a gay bar. Um, by themselves, without a gay man, like I'm totally fine with that. Maybe they just want to go out and have a fun night of dancing without being right. I mean, the music's great, or, or without having to fear sexual assault or exactly. date rape or anything like that. But it does reach a point and I mean granted I can't confirm this because I haven't spoken with these women but it does reach a point when I do see a bachelorette party coming in and I'm like okay are you coming in here to have a good time or are you coming in here because you want to like gawk at gay men, I'm like, because my, gay men are accessories, and like that's my issue I find it problem. problematic
0: when I'm like in a gay club and like there's so many straight there's straight there's more straight couples making out than there's gay couples and I look around and I'm like are you fucking kidding me? Like I'm supposed to be here like trying to find a man and there's just straight fucking couples in here. Like just making out, like get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I don't want to be annoyed by it. Cause like, yeah, your safe space is my safe space, but I'm also like annoyed about it. I am. It's like, right. you know, when you're like, when you, you, know, when you like discover a band and like, you're so into it and like all of a sudden they get really popular and you, you're that person that's like, I discovered them first. Like, right. yeah. Like, it's a dick thing to say, but it also like I'm still annoyed by it. Like I did I did discover that band first. Like yeah. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, which brings us to the hot button topic that we wanted to talk about in this oh, episode, right, yes. which is intersectional politics. Right. And that, and Rose McGowan. <laughs> and Rose and McGowan. And Rose McGowan. We have to talk about Rose McGowan. Okay. So Rose McGowan, th- this happened recently, but she, I actually don't know all of the details, but she was doing a book signing for a book so that she just So my issue about. with
0: Rose McGowan in general. Okay. So I get it. Like, okay. So the, the Me Too movement like Rose McGowan had a lot to do with it. And she spoke up very early about Harvey Weinstein. Like, probably one of the first women that spoke up against Harvey Weinstein and was like, he is crazy. He is a rapist. And then, like, all these women came forth and did, like, you know, and talked about it and talked about their experiences. But then Rose McGowan, like, kept going at it and then kept going at it and then was, like, indicted and she was, like, in jail and, like, had to have her, she had to get bailed out because and, she was, and, like, and cocaine. Now it's like getting a book
1: published and then about she it got or... a
0: book, and then, like, a month later, had, like, a book. And then like, it's called Brave by Rose McGowan. And then it was like, it just felt like at a certain point, it felt like you've moved past the point of like speaking against sexual assault and And now raising
1: awareness and
0: raising awareness to like, this is a PR stunt. Yeah. Which is my issue with Rose McGowan is like, if you're going to do this and you're going to like do it right, stop making it a PR stunt. Stop making it about your book sales. Cause it felt like at one point I was like, oh, you're just trying to raise book sales. Right. Whereas like women like Alyssa Milano came forth and like, A bunch of women just came forth that were just like, and, and even like, um, like Gina Rodriguez came forth and like Meryl Streep, who is problematic again, but like they came forth and they were just like, this is, and, and, uh, Penelope Cruz and Salma Hayek. And they were just like, this is my story. I'm just going to tell my story and I'm going to leave. And that was great. But then Rose McGowan was like, here's my book. And I was like, that's annoying. Right. That's a problematic for me.
1: Yeah. So there's a video. General. There's a video on YouTube. She was at Barnes and Noble, like doing a talk and doing a book signing, and a transgender woman um, stood up and started screaming at her, basically from her seat. Saying, I mean, which was crazy. Like, which was crazy. Well, I mean, well, yeah. Like, we're a Barnes to... and Noble. Everybody, like, that, everybody... like I'll also get, well, I'll get to what's crazy about what the what the trans woman said um, shortly. Um, I'm, I'm also identifying her as trans woman because I don't know what her name was. Um, well, I think
0: she was. Uh, yeah, she didn't say her name. She was just. And we I don't, knew I don't, she was a trans know, woman. I, yeah, I
1: don't know if she was identified yeah. or if she was. I'm not privy to it. But so she basically. Well, she starts off by making valid points. She's saying, um, "What have you done for trans women? Because if we're talking about female, you know, sexual assault and um, you know, to women, trans women are twice as likely to be sexually assaulted. Right. There are trans women in male prisons." There are and
0: forty one percent of trans people commit suicide.
1: Yes, forty one. So like, that's she's, a lot. Like, she's like, okay. So she's like, okay. You've made your point. Like you, you know, you've made your point about sexual assault and about women. Like, what about trans women? Why have they been relegated to the sidelines? And in fact, why are you silencing them? And I think, I think the the woman. Cited something Rose McGowan said, she, where she said trans women are not like real women, yeah. which is so problematic. Yes. It's it's a huge part of the gender essentialism in uh, for some feminists to believe that trans women are not like cisgender women because they haven't experienced depression their entire lives, and the suggestion that if you are a transgender woman, you have you have chosen to be a woman and you're choosing a life of oppression, which is so fucking
0: problematic. Like, uh, like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't listen to that. So the trans woman
1: was calling her out on that. All good points. And Rose McGowan stands up and said something along the lines of "Okay, you, but you like Rose I,
0: McGowan stands up in like an Adidas sweatshirt and, and like Reeboks sweatpants from and, and the like 1990s. yeah Reeboks from 1995, as far as I'm concerned, and like a fucking buzz cut." And I'm like, and "Okay." And starts going.
1: She says, "You and I are the same. I have done so much for the world. You should be thanking me." Gosh. And then the trans woman completely loses it, and she's like, "This is cis white feminism." This and this is where it gets crazy. She's like, "This is the AIDS epidemic." All over again this is genocide and and then like it just it turns got in, real crazy Yeah, it turns into the trans women the trans woman and rose mcgowan screaming at each other and rose mcgowan's like i don't fucking come from your planet it was a mess i think it the, mess. i think huffington post queer voices posted that this is how i saw the video posted on facebook this is like they, the caption was just this is this is a mess. This is, a total mess. It is mess. It's a total mess. Well,
0: it's because like I feel like they were saying things that they didn't intend to say. Like I think there was a lot of misunderstanding in the conversation that they were having. Whereas like I think if Rose McGowan like took a deep breath and was like I didn't mean that. Like I didn't mean that trans women aren't women. I just meant that like it's a different experience than like what I've had. Like I feel like she could have spun it in a way that wouldn't have pinned her as like a fucking crazy person, which, but she came off as a fucking lunatic. I'm sorry. Right.
1: Or, I mean, she could have just listened. Like she could have listened. Before, she could
0: have just sat back whole... and been like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. She could have just apologized and the been whole... like, I'm sorry. I yes. didn't mean that.
1: Like, whatever. The whole, I mean, yeah, the whole point of intersectionality is not to silo off your oppression and to assume that your oppression is unique and to focus right. only on your oppression. You know, the, the idea behind intersectionality is that. Oppression is intersectional. We are all connected in some way, shape, or form by um, by a, a kind of logic that right. has categorized us as less than human. Right. Therefore, or, if a trans woman... Or less woman,
0: than a certain person. Yes.
1: So, therefore, if a trans woman is saying to a cis woman, um, you know, you're not taking into account trans trans issues instead of being defensive a cis woman should say well you know what i don't know your struggle so yes let me listen to it right um absolutely and i think there is like an issue of
0: like look as much as i hate to say it like gloria in this episode specifically like doesn't come off the greatest Like I'm so they really categorize, they really characterize her in an interesting way because instead of coming off as like very level headed throughout the episode, she kind of comes off as a raging lunatic. She kind of does, she kind of like, you know, five minutes into the episode is screaming at Archie and then screaming at Mike and then screaming at her mom and then packs a bag and leaves. And everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, So it's it's, kind of like a very, I mean, it is very extreme, but it's an interesting way that they went about like really trying to pin down feminism and like what that means in the world. Well, it's kind of an interesting take on it. And that's kind of what I felt about. Like, that's kind of sometimes how I feel about cis, cis white feminism is like sometimes like cis white feminists do shut down a lot of like other... Races when they talk about their own feminism, and it's like they really shut off everyone. And they're like, "No, sis, like we're talking about me now. Like we're talking about what I face." And I'm like, "Yeah, but what about black women? What about trans women? What about all of these other yes. women that face a lot of discrimination that you're not even talking about? Like you don't even care.
1: Like yes. I'm sorry, Gwyneth Paltrow, but like." You don't even fucking interact with these people. Which is an issue. I, it is an issue. And I you know, and I just said that and you just said that it's definitely an issue. However, I do sympathize with the inclination to do so. So I know it sounds like I'm, you know, redoubling or I'm going back on what I just said. I but do understand. I, I get I, it. But at the same time, you know, what about ism so I understand that as a cisgender, white, gay male, um, the G in LGBTQ has been the most assimilated. Right.
0: Like the G is not important anymore. Like I'm like a mainstream fucking thing. Like someone asked me some, someone asked me the other day, it was like, what do you, how do you feel about this? And it was like some trans thing. And I was like, I have no jurisdiction in that anymore. That is beyond right. my jurisdiction. You have to ask the trans people because that I don't want. I don't want to offend them, right. and I don't want you to offend them. Like we're mainstream now, we have very we have a lot of television series about us. Like we cannot be talking about this stuff.
1: Right. However, I you know I've still experienced a lot. I'm like gay men I have are experienced still, a lot. I'm like, gay men are still oppressed, and I still went through a shit a shit ton of. Um, depression and anxiety and isolation and bullying because of my sexuality, regardless of um, the other factors of privilege. So if I am sharing my story, it would upset me for someone to be like, well, what about this? What about that? Because uh, yes, on one hand, you're trying to bring attention to an underrepresented group, um, which is important. But on the other hand... If, if your response after hearing my story of oppression is, well, what about this? What about that? Then to me, that also serves you're to You're also delegitimize- diminishing yes. your
0: story. Yes. Which is pro-
1: which is also fucking awful. Because
0: it's like other people should listen to your story and be like, no, I I understand that. Yes.
1: So, so as we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, we need to stop just assuming like, oh, you're liberal, therefore you're woke and you're the good guy. Because I do think that liberals- however well-intentioned however well, t- however well intentioned they might be, are also guilty of that kind of um, disqualification of other people's right. oppression. And that's whether, exactly... whether, whether it's because they're not listening to an underrepresented group speak about their oppression, or whether it's because they're attacking a, a group that has been more assimilated. So, you know, whether it's cis white women, cis white um, gay men, you know, I, I mean, I think it's important to call attention to the fact that cis white women and cis um white gay men have been assimilated however don't silence their story just on the basis of their race just on the basis of their gender identity because then you are just as guilty as the people who silence you right i mean i was
0: i mean i okay so there is that and i also think the the episode also itself does that very well because mike is the liberal white guy and yet silences Gloria throughout the entire episode and says, like, well, it's not the same. He keeps saying that, too. He's like, well, it's not the same. Like, women and men are not the same. And he even says, like, at one point, he's like, we're equal in this room. And she is like, what, what do you fucking mean in this room? He's like, well, outside there, you're my wife. And he was like, when she was like, well, outside there, you're my husband. And so, like, even he, which is perfect because it's like, he is that of, like, he's shutting her down, and he shouldn't be doing that. And he's fighting for everybody else except for his wife, which is awful.
1: The whole point is that you can't swing entirely one way or the other. Because I do think that people who swing entirely to the left do have a tendency sometimes to shut down other voices, whether they mean to or not. And that
0: episode answers this very
1: well. And granted, they might be shutting down a voice that is partially hegemonic. I mean, you know, if, um, for instance, when Emma Watson started her... Um, he for she campaign there was a lot of backlash over the fact that you know this is cis white feminism he for she enforces a gender binary this this and that and I'm like okay fair completely reasonable points and I remember reading a couple of articles about it that made me look at it in a new way I'm like okay I actually hadn't considered this this is a good point at the same time again even though cisgender women have been assimilated and even though they have their assimilation has happened on the backs of trans women and other marginalized groups. Cisgender women still have a long way to go. They do. Cisgender white women still have a long way to go. And And we we, the evidenced by the sexual assault and rape culture that um, the Me Too movement is responding against and you see that
0: even in like even if you if even if you just look at the Trump thing, like a lot of white women just voted for Trump. And that's because, not because they were like, I want Trump. It's because of a lot of internalized oppression. Yes, absolutely. That they faced. And it's, cause it's like Edith. It's like, I'm sorry. It is like a right. little bit of that. So
1: because cisgender white women still have a long way to go, I, I take such umbrage and I, I have such a problem with. The what aboutism, like like oh like your right. cisgender It's, not, the, white, it's what, not even the what aboutism. What about what about um you know women of color, trans right. women of color. And it's I'm not like, even yes. the what
0: aboutism. It's the what about ism, I feel it's yeah. like you hear someone else's story and it's like what about my struggle? And it's like okay, we we'll get we'll get there. But I'm also talking about my struggle now. It's so like if we can't fucking listen to me, then we can't think, listen to anybody. I think the
1: language needs to be adjusted so that when when someone wants to respond to say hey. Um, I'm all for this, but we should also be including trans women of color, women of color, so on and so yes. forth. Like, I think it should be like, we should be including them rather than, well, what about them? They have it worse and they this. Because when you, when you make that argument, like they have it worse and they this, they this, they that, you, that, that. To me, that only serves to delegitimize the struggle of a cisgender woman. Right. And that struggle should not be delegitimized. Right. I mean, the wage gap still exists.
0: Let's just it's just like
1: women are still still blamed and held accountable for sexual assault that happens. Right, exactly.
0: And that's like not just I mean, you can't even put a race on that. That's just like women. Period. Exactly. And you can't, yeah, I mean it's just a very it's a huge problem. And then you look at but then you and then you go a step further and you look at trans women, then you look at gay men, then you look at, you know, all these other things, and you're like, wow, there's just so many people. Mm -hmm. And I think this episode Okay, so I think this episode though does answer the question of gender inequality in a relationship. I don't think it ans- answers the question of gender inequality just in general, but I think it tries to answer the question. I mean, it does have to tie things up in a nice 25 minute bow, but I think it answers the question of gender inequality within relationships by saying like, kind of like, cause at the end they get into an argument, they make up, Archie and Edith are kind of like, well, it took them an hour and 10 minutes to make up. And Edith's like, well, how long does it take to say he got two B's in an A? And then they come down they're like, we made up. And it's like very clear that they had sex. And I think they, the episode kind of answers the question of like gender inequality by saying like, sometimes sex is the great equalizer in a way, but you can't, you you can't, it's simple, but it's also like, when you look at things like consent, it's like if women have consent and women feel in power during sex, that is an equalizer in the
1: relationship. But more often than not, I no, that that's, I mean, that's not for me to say, but right. a huge, the, the me too campaign raises, raises awareness of the fact that, um, another thing that a man tries to control is a woman's body. So that, you know, a woman doesn't feel right. consent, the, the, but the, if we, the I feel like when I is to take away consent, right.
0: But I know the only example that I can have for me, cause I can't speak for women is like, if I'm bottoming, like, like a top bottom thing is like, like, some some way adhere it. like sometimes people just say like top bottom is like masculine feminine and so if i'm bottoming and i feel like i'm in control of the situation then i feel equal with that person and if i'm topping and i feel like they also have control like if i give them control or if I am like, you know, just step back and allow them to do things, then I'm like, okay, well, this is a an equalizer here. Yeah. And some people And that don't is just the like... only that's the only that's the best example I could give because I cannot speak for women.
1: Again, which is again still intricate because some women don't like having control. Like I do I know plenty of women, plenty of people who love being dominated. That is what pleases them sexually. That is what they are yes, attracted exactly. to. And you know, someone someone I know recently. It's like power said bottoms. It's like you know bottoms yeah.
0: that love being in control, and it's like you know there is a there there is there is something to it.
1: Well, yeah, and you know someone I someone I was speaking to recently was talking about something. She saw something on Facebook that was like, um, you know, when it comes to consent, like if a woman doesn't offer her consent, like one hundred percent enthusiastically, then like don't have sex with her because then that's rape. And she's like, that's a problem because. I she goes I don't want you to ask my permission to finger me like I don't want you to ask my permission to have sex with me she goes I uh, she, she goes I personally get off Um, like being dominated she goes i like get off on the you know she she is into the daddy yeah um, fetish yeah she's like i she goes i get off on the lack of consent to an extent to an extent
0: yeah absolutely
1: you know obviously if there's someone she doesn't want to have sex with then she will tell that person i don't want to have sex But but she doesn't think that one should ever ask explicit permission so in this case by other people's standards, that's you—that's know, um, a man taking away her consent. But by her standards, it's empowerment because she's like, "Look, this is what I like. This is this is right. what I need in order to satisfy my needs." I don't, I don't know. It's it's complicated because yeah. it's
0: like I don't know. This episode is kind. Of, just kind of like really does tie it up in a nice bow. And it's like, well, they had sex. They duped it out. She's probably really good at sex. It's like I'm sorry, but like Mike is probably not really good at sex. Like oh I'm sorry. He's Mike slouches... looks awful. Like yeah, Mike yeah, looks he... just like like a tiny dick. Just like kind of bad at sex. Like let's just just say it. Let's yeah, just he's... say it out loud. Yeah. No.
1: I mean, he's really ugly. He <laughs> he has like the. I mean, he always has a slouch, but in this episode, it's so prominent yeah and part of me feels like you know it, it might have been a conscious acting choice where he's deliberately looking down to and like physically looking down to and talking down right, to Gloria. because he's such a dick to her in this episode even yeah. that like
0: weird reverse psychology he tries to pull on her yeah. what does he say he says like oh he says don't you see that if you let my maleness let you determine that we're equal then it's all okay it's something along the lines
1: of what he Some says like really convoluted very complex. yeah that made absolutely no sense and I remember I looked at you while we were watching the episode and I'm like, is this supposed to make sense? Or is this supposed to just be emblematic of... No, the- it's supposed to be
0: very emblematic yeah. of like the patriarch like just like, I don't uh, want to say the patriarchy, but patriarchy. It like, it's the patriarchy because <laughs> yeah. it was very like, see, well, if 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 you just let white men decide that like you're cool, then like it'll be fine. And it's like, nah, bitch, like that's not how it fucking works.
1: I'm sorry. It's, yeah. And I mean, I, I still just don't follow that logic. It's awful. Um, at it's all. awful it's- logic.
0: It's- and it really is him trying to shut her down. I just feel like there is a difference between consent and and power. Yes. In a way. Because it's like, okay, yes. Let's do this. But then it's like what is going to be the power dynamic when it comes to sex? And sometimes it's very different. Like sometimes women have power and sometimes men have power and sometimes you know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's very like very based on like exactly what you guys decide. Is going to be the thing.
1: I mean sex like a relationship has to be a partnership. It has to be right. a collaboration. Exactly. And both of you have to be on board and I mean granted you can't read the other person's mind. There are definitely times when one partner will be doing something um, and loving yeah. it and the other partner will be like ah, I don't really like this so right. much but if this is what makes my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my you know my partner in general happy then you know so be it. Right, Right. and that is
0: also, like, a conversation that you can have. Like, I will just be like, I don't like this. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Like, one time, like, a guy was fucking me and then just decked me across the face. And, like, I was, like, literally, like, just, like, fucking me and just, like, boom, across the face. And I was like, no. I literally was, like... Don't do that. And he was like, what you didn't like that? And I was like, no, I really just did not like that. Please don't ever do that again. Like still while he was fucking me. To me that's something you Yeah, that's like not- I had that conversation like right there and then. I was like, I'm not gonna let this fly by. Like I was yeah. like, No 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 no, while you're fucking me, I'm gonna be like, that's not cool, don't ever fucking do that again. Well I mean And fetish, he was like, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Yeah, cool, great, awesome, move on. Yeah. It was and great.
1: I mean, fetish or no fetish, that's a conversation you need to have beforehand. Like, right. I'm sorry. People, well, can when very people are easily so fascinated be by, by gay men. Game, yeah. People can like very it's easily very get triggered bad. by getting hit. And even if they're not triggered because they don't have some trauma associated with it. Like sometimes it's just fucking painful. It's like, crazy. It's not it just comes so. out of
0: nowhere and you're like, oh shit, I just got ducked across the face. But like, I feel like if, so that's like my, that's the uh, thing I find. Like a lot of straight women and, and straight men ask me like that are so fascinated by gay men are like, well, I don't get how you guys just like go do crazy things. And I'm like, it's because we talk about it. It's because we literally just say like, we literally, it's like very transactional. We're just literally like, I like getting choked. I like this. I like that. I like getting gagged. I like getting this. I like feet, whatever it is. You know, you just list it and then, you know, you they respond. And they're like, well, I like this, this, that too. Okay, well, let's do that, 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 and this. And then it's like, boom, done. It happens. Right. And it's like, well, that is consent. And that is, I've talked about this and we've all decided that this is going to be the, what's best for this. Experience And then we just do it,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I buy the whole like, oh, like gay men are so crazy when it comes to sex. I mean, I don't know if I buy that, but I also well, think Well, I that... don't buy it, but it is what people say. It is what, it's definitely what people say. I mean, you know, but you could also say that part of the reason that maybe we are more experimental or, the, or that we're willing to explore more is that by being gay, like we've already defied the norm. We've already- right. And we um, are I men. I sound like such a fucking obnoxious. we've already no, defied the norm. No, no, no. We've norm. defied
0: the norm, but we're... like at the end of the day, we're men. Yes. Like women, it's different. Like biology is different. I'm sorry. Like also because women have been so put down by the by the patriarchy for so long that like even even biologically and like psychologically, I've read studies that like women come out if they're lesbians or they're bisexual, they come out much later in life because of like because of the male gaze because they feel like their whole lives have led up to satisfying the male gaze and satisfying males. And then when they find like that they're interested in women, they're like, it's a complete rejection and it takes them years and years and years to come to terms with the fact that like, no, this is what I want. I want to be with a woman, not because it satisfies a man and not because it satisfies a man's fetish, fetishistic, like weird lesbian fantasy, but because it satisfies me and it takes them a very long time to understand that.
1: Yeah, but I also want to push back on that a little bit because I do think that there's a double standard in my school. Um, again, like I, I've said before, that my school is predominantly Caribbean, and Caribbean culture is expressly homophobic and transphobic. Yes. However, I have there are a lot of open gay female students in my school.
0: Interesting. But almost interesting.
1: no open gay male students. Well, that's
0: interesting. Okay. That's interesting.
1: Um, uh, but again, if, I just know that you're...
0: a lot of I, I just know that a lot of lesbians that I know have come out much later in life because they have felt right. their whole entire lives that they're like, well, yeah, I just thought I was gonna have to satisfy a man, and then I realized like, no, it's not. That's not what I fucking have to do. I mean,
1: it's also cultural. I mean, black is masculinity is, is a very different cultural construction very than white masculinity. Yes, yes, absolutely. So the expectations of a black male are obviously very different than the expectations of a white male, um, right. gay or straight. Do you know what would help this conversation? What? A woman. That would help. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm
1: kidding. I mean, yeah, like that's the irony. Here we are, like two men, like two, talking Well, we're women. two
0: gay men, so it's slightly different.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that we're also talking about gender. I'm just, like, trying to justify No, we're, we're, this, I'm, like, we're trying to justify it. But, but
0: I don't want to generalize and I don't want to talk for women. I want to talk about gender and I want to talk about my experiences based on what I find in this episode. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk for women ever. I don't want to do that. And if you feel like I am doing that, leave me a comment. Yes. And let me know. And I'll shut the fuck up and apologize and listen to you.
1: Right. As you should.
0: As I should. As we all should.
1: So as for this episode, you know, so you bring up that final scene about you know, sex
0: is the great equalizer in this. And no yeah. matter what it what like how they wanted it to come off, like it does come off like a nice little cute button at the end of this episode, but I do think it is an answer to the question of like how gender can be equal in a way. It's like if you let sex be the great equalizer, and I'm not saying like that is very much like in a box of like in relationships, not in right. anything else. I
1: mean, pre, you know, and that also presupposes the existence of gender. I mean, there's also gender non-conforming, gender non-binary. So, you know, you have to wonder um, to what extent this conversation is going to be altered when we consider the erasure of gender. Right. Um, because gender, after all, is performative. It is socially constructed and culturally reproduced. So if you are gender non-conforming or gender non-binary, um you know what place do you have in this conversation what place do you have um in moving this effort along i don't know it's i mean i feel like that's a whole other can of worms it's interesting as far as i think uh, this episode
0: doesn't try and solve that's the thing is like i don't think it tries and solves all of that it tries and solves gender inequality within relationships only right and that's where it sticks to it, because it's like if it tried to solve everything else, they knew it was going to get too complicated, and absolutely, it was, and it, they would have to answer too many questions about gender nine bond, like there were gender nine non-binary, you know, people and like everything, and like even even when it comes to work and when it comes to politics, like it was like they were like oh, we're doing too much. Let's stick to like what it means right. to be, inequal in gender in relationships solely. Right, and
1: again, this is also 1971, so. Um, it's not surprising, obviously, that this episode presupposes gender essentialism. Well, like right, presupposes gender as a fixed identity and presupposes the gender binary as unquestionable. Right. And, um Well,
0: and I also think, like, I, I, we didn't talk about this, but I also find Lionel's very, very short scene very interesting because he comes in and Gloria is talking about women's lib, and there's they're talking about women's lib and you know and he's just like what did he, what do they say to him they're like well what do you I think, think about Archie
1: like? says to him he's like do you people know about this women's lib and Lionel responds no we're still focusing on lib yeah, like, just we're like, still just, just general lib. yeah. yeah,
0: which is just really interesting because it's like it's true it is fucking true like I mean as much as like yeah as much as like gay people are like you know you're mainstream now I'm like we can't donate blood yet are you fucking kidding me like, there's, we still have problems. Like, yeah. don't fucking pretend, like, just because, like, you solved a couple of our issues that, like, we're not fucking equal now. We're not equal at all. You have established yourselves as higher. Like, gay men are still une- unequal. Like, they're still inequality-faced.
1: So, I think that was kind of the intersectional insertion um, when Lionel walks in. Right. They're like, wait a minute. We need another marginalized perspective. I got it. Oh, and, like, I that's when they like. <laughs> that's when like Lionel was like I don't know, sitting in his dressing room eating donuts, and they just pushed him into. They the really scene. did. They really did. Yeah, like did. they gave him an index card to memorize. They and... like called him
0: Day of, and they were like, "Okay, we need you to just show up for this one short scene." Bro. Exactly.
1: Yeah. This should yeah. have been a to be continued episode. It was.
0: It, no, it should be. I think they, they they do a bunch of episodes like this in the later. Oh seasons, yeah, we're, we're not we're not nearly we're not finished nearly. with this.
1: And one more note I do want to make. So I agree with your interpretation of the ending, and I think that your interpretation is. A lot more viable than the one I'm about to bring up. I wrote down in my notes over here that this ending is kind of like a Deus Ex Machina where they didn't know how to they didn't know how to end the conversation. They didn't know how to resolve the conflict. So they do what's called an ellipsis where the resolution is implied. Like you imagine that they had sex or you imagine that they agreed to um disagree or that they agreed to settle their differences or that mike conceded and instead you know like the, the the scene between mike and gloria ends with them screaming at each other and fighting and then the next scene they just come down giggling and smiling and Gloria is like we made up and that's an ellipsis it, it implies right. that they just had sex I mean, but you also have to wonder what the conversation was that led to sex like how do you go from screaming to each other to having sex. And I know that hate sex and anger sex is a thing. I've never experienced it. I've always been very intrigued oh, have, by it. No i <laughs> I've, I've always been very intrigued by it. I always wonder how you go from screaming someone and like wanting to push them out a window to just to, like fucking To them. like yeah. having sex with them. I
0: think... I mean, I do agree with you. Like, yeah. I mean, it is like... A, it is a 25-minute episode. Like... And it is 1971. So they did... Just like as a sitcom in America, they had to wrap it up in some way. So I don't think you're wrong, but I think... In my in my opinion, I think they do kind of answer the question, which like in some episodes is not as clear. Like sometimes they're just like, yeah, well, racism exists, and then they just like shrug and they tell a funny joke and they (laughs) and they dance. Yeah, and then they dance. But in this episode, at least they like try a little bit. Whereas like maybe it's not. Yeah, I I think they answer it by saying like sex is the great equalizer. But I also think they answer it by saying like love is the great equalizer because like both of them talk to each other and, and Mike is like. I got two B's and an A, and I didn't I didn't really feel anything, but then I wanted to tell you, and now that I'm telling you, I feel great because I love you. And, like, even she's like, I'm so happy for you. You got two B's and an A. Even though, like, two B's and an A sucks. Like, you're a terrible student. I'm sorry. Like, two B's <laughs> and an A is not great. Like, you should have gotten three A's. Like, you live with someone else's, like, you live in someone else's house. You're, like, a fucking terrible have, like, student. like, no other responsibilities. Yeah, what the like, fuck is wrong I mean, with you?
1: What the fuck is Mike even majoring in in the first place? Uh, probably, like... like,
0: anthropology as far as I'm concerned Who's like, right. the worst. But, like it is the love that they have for each other that they just need to have each other in their lives. Because yeah. even she comes back and Edith's like, why would you come back? And she's like, well, because I fucking miss him, you know? Well, she didn't say fucking miss him. But she's like, because I miss him.
1: And we can talk for so much longer about this. I know. This, I'm but... so
0: exhausted. I love it. Um, I loved this episode. I really love this episode because it's like, it's complicated because it's like, well, one, it does not pass the Bechdel test. And two, it's like, it has to do with women's liberation. And three, it's like, well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really... It's not as woke as it thinks it is. And then it's like, it kind of is dated, but it's also not dated because it's like, these are realistic interpretations. It raises
1: issues without intending to raise those exactly.
0: issues. Exactly. Um, and it's also like, you know, Gloria brings up some very good points and, and Mike's responses to her are things that I see still nowadays. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is such a complicated episode. It's like fucking nuanced as Fuck. I love this shit. Thanks for joining us. And with that, we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. And uh, you should really watch the Rose McGowan video because it's... Oh boy. It's honestly pretty funny. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) like I know it's like, shouldn't be said, but like, it's pretty funny because she just like, (laughs) loses her... She's like a child. She like, loses her mind and then she just sits down and she's like... "Ah!" It's the things that come out of her mouth. Like, you should be thanking me for what I've done. (laughs) Thanking me. And also like, It's just like, you're selling a book, bitch. Like, I don't... Like, what are you doing right now? You're selling me a book. Like, I What I I find funny
1: about that video is that... I I know that Barnes & Noble. I've been in there before. And that stage is kind of sequestered from the rest of the store. But you can be on the fourth floor and you could be shopping for your books while there's an event going on on that stage. So I'm just imagining like a mom like buying her child an SAT prep book (laughs) and hearing Rose McGowan screaming into a microphone. I really know. I don't come from your planet. You should be grateful. Sit the fuck down. Even though by that
0: point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also just imagining like With, like, just looking for, like, David Sedaris in his bookstore, and then turning around and just hearing, White cis feminism! White cis feminism! And then Rosa McGowan just like, Shut that!
1: well, and even though the best part is it's that Rose so McGowan bad. continues to scream for like five minutes, even though the trans woman has been um, taken out of the building. Oh at this yeah, point. she's like,
0: literally remo- you see her being physically removed like, at one yeah, point. You're she- like, oh, she's gone.
1: Yeah. So like instead, you're just seeing like a woman with a shaved head, like in a in an orange jump, like in an orange tracksuit in like 1996 Reebok, she screaming. She looks like she's doing community service, <laughs> like oh, God, screaming <laughs> into a microphone. <laughs> Look, as <laughs> what are you doing as Rosa you're buying Gowen? to kill a mockingbird for your child's <laughs> <inappropriate English> child
0: <laughs> I just wanted to get the adventures of Huckleberry Finn and here I am watching this shaved woman scream about <laughs> feminism what's happening
1: excuse me do you know where I can find the holy Christian bible <laughs> shut the
0: fuck down you should be thanking me <laughs> like, it's so it's so much
1: and with that we will see you next week we'll
0: see you next week guys this has been all the podcast <laughs>
1: All in the Family was recorded on tape before a live audience.